Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, it's good to be with you this morning. It's so good to have everybody back from Oklahoma City. They had a great time. Uh, they were stretched, which is always good. Come on. And uh, this morning, I just want to, before I do anything, I want to introduce, where's Warren and Alicia? Y'all stand up. Y'all just stand up. Why don't y'all greet them? They're from South Africa. They, uh, they're part of uh, Pastor Willem's uh, church there in Pontchartrain. In fact, uh, Alicia's mom and dad own a, a guest house, and that's where I stayed most of the time that I was there. And they were very hospitable, and she had, they have a big dog that I would never cross. And uh, so I never went to their house that much, because I was scared of that dog. But anyway, it, it's so good to be here this morning with you. And um, just uh, this morning, before we do anything, I just want to, I want to pray, and we're going to pray for some people after the service, but... We seem to pray for uh, Pastor Josh and, and Lindsay. They're not here this morning. They're in Dallas. They're actually going to meet another couple that actually that have that Joel, their little boy, they have a little boy in Dallas that has the same symptoms that Joel has. And so Josh and Lindsay were going to meet with them this morning, same age as Joel. So we seem to pray and ask God to come and, and visit with them and speak to them and you know, I, I know that when, there, when there's no expectation, there's no visitation from God. Can I say that again? If you come here this morning without an expectation for God to do something, you probably won't have much of a visitation. And my, my greatest desire is that, you know, that this morning, you know, the word that I felt like the Lord just gave me this morning. He says, I want you, Bubba, I want you to believe the unexplainable to obtain the unforgettable. And so this morning, I want to believe God for the unexplainable. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we have the unforgettable. And that's my wife. I mean, she's told me a couple of times these last couple of months, Bubba, I've just, ever since I just want to see God do a miracle that we can't even explain in our church with people. Amen? So let's just, let's just stop right now. Let's pray. Can we pray for them? It's going to be a little. Father, right now, we just pray for Josh and Lindsay. You would cover them and be with them as they're in Dallas and we pray that, God, as they meet this other couple and uh, a God that, that has the same symptoms of Joel, we just pray that they would be able to minister and encourage them. All right, well, and not only encourage them, but, God, that you would just cover them and be with them. I pray, Father, this morning that, that God, that you would just touch Joel. Once again, as a church, we believe you for the impossible. You're the God of the impossible. We pray that you would just touch and move and minister in this circumstance. Lord, use your word this morning to speak to every individual here this morning. We thank you that you are the God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above what we think, what we can ask this morning. And I just pray, God, that you would come and that you would just reign with your grace and your power and your freedom here this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said this morning, uh, you know, we've been talking about we've been doing a series Jesus is. And this morning, you know, I just want to welcome back to our part three of Jesus is. And we're looking at different, really what different traits of Jesus. And many of us have different ideas about who Jesus was from you know, from what we've, we've been told was from the Bible. Sometimes when you hear things that were from the Bible, sometimes as you begin to read the Bible, you realize that's not even in the Bible. And, you know, and, uh, you know we see all these flawed ideas, and we're going to talk about some of those things this morning. But when you see Jesus for who he really is, I believe this, you're never, ever, ever the same. Amen? And so if you just pull out your notes, and I want to go over a few things. If you don't have any notes, would you just raise your hands? We'll make sure the ushers get your notes. Come on. Come on. Give it up for the people who are giving out the notes, Miss Shirley. Come on. You know, the, the theme that we've been talking about, the verse we've been using all week, is, is this verse right here in 1 Corinthians, the last two weeks. And it, says, it says, you'll remember, friends, that when I came to you, he said, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches are the latest philosophy and trust you know, let me let me just say this there's a lot of people that have the latest and they think it's the greatest a lot of philosophies a lot of ideas that are going on that aren't even biblical and let me just say this don't always trust just what i say either can i just be honest with you you got to trust your bible hello 
you got to trust your Bible. And that's what he's saying. Don't be, you know, carried away with all these a new ideas. Oh, it's a new idea. It's a new thing. Trust your Bible. Amen? Trust the Spirit of God. And so, you know, we've talked about the first week, we talked about God-man, God being man, and Jesus, and he could be our best friend. Last week, we talked about him being teacher. He, he led by example. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about the subject that, I, that is very dear to my heart, that we trust in God for, that Jesus is miracle worker. How many of you believe that God is a miracle worker? Some of you here this morning, you've walked in here and you need a miracle. Not only do you need a miracle, but you're believing God for him. We want to keep it, you know, and he says this. He says, I deliberately kept it plain and simple for first Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. Today we're going to look at and talk about Jesus' miracle worker. And, and there, there's also tension in the room when I say that because I believe that when you, you start talking about that, we all have believed for miracles and it hadn't happened. How many have had that? You know, it's so much easier when you're in Sunday school and they got the old flannel board and they get, you put the little flannel board pictures up on the, the thing. Jesus walked on the water. I believe that. Jesus, you know, God showed up in a burning bush. It's good to put it on the flannel board, isn't it? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, but he, in order to teach about miracles, you need to go back and to see sometimes, sometimes we think miracles don't happen anymore. There are whole denominations that go, hey, miracles just don't happen. Bring me a, thank you. Miracles just don't happen anymore. Kill this. There you go. I, honestly, when I first thought it, we were singing that song about let it rain, I thought it started raining. <laughs> so that's okay. It's good. Uh, it's good to trust my son. He can trust. I can trust him with my backside. But anyway. But you see, really, the thing is, in order to teach about miracles, you got to go back to where it's called. It's called what I learned in Bible college is the law. Of first mention. What I mean by that, you go back in the Bible where it was first mentioned and you find out what it meant and what it was there for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So say it me. You're going to learn something new. It's called the law of first mention. Say it me. The law of, of what? First mention. So this is the first occasion in the Bible where it talks about a miracle. And that's what I want to talk about. It's in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, on the third day of the wedding, of a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee, Jesus' mother, Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and disciples had also were invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, his mother said to him, look at this. We got a problem, Houston. This is what she's saying. Okay? She's saying, they have no more wine. You know, there was one commentary that I read that some people think that maybe she might have been the hostess of this wedding. It could have been one of Jesus' relatives. So her job was to make sure they had enough stuff at the wedding. Now, what happened, there's no detail of this in the Bible, but it's, it's important. Weddings are a big deal. How many are talking about? I did a wedding last week. It's a big deal. You know, uh, Josh did a wedding last week, and there's expectation levels in weddings. Come on. It's the bride's day. She don't want the preacher to mess it up. The mama don't want the preacher to mess it up. There's expectations for that big day. How many are you talking about? Come on. And so in, in this time, in Jewish culture, as they would do a seven-day celebration. It was a honeymoon. It was a family Get together, it, it, it was, uh, you know, the bachelor party, the wedding shower. It was bowled, all bowled up into one for a week. And so what happens is this is her dream day. I've done weddings. I had a friend of mine that I know that he did a wedding, and behind the scenes, someone cut the wick of the unity candle as a joke. So the couple was going up there to light their unity candle, and they couldn't get it lit. And they're like, oh, God's not in this. You know, I mean, can you imagine? I would have hated to be that person. I heard of one guy when, when they were doing a wedding, 
is uh, they were doing a wedding, and behind the scenes, behind where the, the choir loft was and everything, someone put an alarm clock. You know, the ones with the little bells? And, and you know, the little hammer. And right when he says, Name, now, may, now you may kiss the bride. Right on timing. You know, there's just a lot of expectations. How many are talking about? You feel that as a preacher. Believe me, as a preacher, you walk in there, and it's an unspoken thing. They just kind of look at you and go, we're glad you're here. And then you can see in there, you better do a good job. This is my daughter's wedding. Don't mess it up. How many are talking about? I mean, I, I could tell you wedding stories, but I don't have enough time. But, I mean, there, there are moments. I remember one time I have a good friend of mine. He got, it was actually who's going to be here next week is my pastor. He had fallen on the ice. And we have this guy, his name, how many remember Kevin Cook? Y'all know Kevin, he's a financial guy. He's done some things here at the church. And when Kevin was getting married, Pastor Jacob and I had given him a lot of marriage counseling. But in the meantime, we had done a summer camp. And Pastor Jacob had gone to the ice rink north of Lafayette. And he was going there to kind of show his skills off. And someone tripped him, and he fell and hit his head, and he split his head wide open. So he had to get stitches and everything. And about a week and a half later, he had kind of like a little um, amnesia, you know, with things. And he did the wedding, and the whole wedding, it was great, but he forgot to give the vows. And at the end of the wedding, people going, my wife goes, are they married? She goes, are they even married? Go, yeah, they're married in the sight of God, you know, all this stuff. And so, you know, I, I've just been around some crazy things, but, y- you know, you just feel the pressure, that, you know. And so most of the places we need a miracle in our life is because we have high expectations for God to do something. We just have high expectations. You see, I thought, you know, some people, I thought marriage was going to be different. And, you know, I thought, I thought my life would be different. We had all these expectations. And we have high expectations, and sometimes we're not filled. You know what? You know, I hate my job, or I, I knew I never, I knew my son, I didn't know my son was going to die early. I didn't know this was going to happen in our lives. I didn't know this was going to take place. The real problem was the fact, here's the real problem in this story, going back to the story, that the wine was gone. The wine was gone. You see, that's the real problem. See, the Jewish custom, the ceremony was not the big deal. It wasn't a big deal. What was really the big deal was the reception was the huge deal. They had the reception for seven days. It was a huge deal. And you see, no wine. It would be like the preacher not showing up. Come on. I mean, everybody expects the preacher to show up. I remember one time I was at home and just enjoying my family, and I had a friend call me, and he says, hey, Bubba, are where you at? I go, well, I'm at home. He goes, well, you have a meeting with us tonight to come and preach at our church. I go, what? Yeah, people are waiting. Oh, I said, dude, ain't no way I'm going to make it. You know, they had a crowd show up, and they were waiting for me to come and preach. And I didn't show up. And if you're part of that crowd, please forgive me if you hold bitterness. And, but anyway. I believe this. See, the Jewish, the Jews had a saying, where there is no wine, listen to me, there is no joy. In other words, it was more than the beverage. It was a symbol of lost joy. It was symbolic of lost joy. Pastor Bo, what, what are you really trying to say? Many of us here are living a life with high expectations, but you know what? The wine is gone inside of you. There's no joy in your life. Hello, am I in the right church? There's just no joy. You know, and and there are three things that put us in the wrong place. And and what we do this, uh, we do it, we do something like this. First thing is we focus, sometimes we focus on feelings instead of faith. You ever feel that way? You go, man, I just don't feel like some people, you I'm glad you made it here because some of you woke up this morning and you didn't feel like coming. Don't raise your hand to confess. But some of us just didn't feel like coming. 
I remember seeing a, a cartoon one time, and, and this pastor, he's, he's, he's trying to get out of bed, and, and he looks at his wife, and he goes, baby, I, I'm just not going this morning. She goes, well, you have to. You're the preacher. You know, I like what John 3, 2 says, when the wine was gone, think about it. It was more than a beverage. It was a symbol of lost joy. We focus on the wrong things. We always think about the problem. You ever get that? It's the problem, the problem, the problem, the problem. You know, you know, I believe this. We live not by, we don't live by sight. We live by faith, right? So we're not, we are people of faith. And we need to look at situations as people of faith and going, hey, I'm going to trust God in this moment. We need to be reminded that we are people of faith. Look at your name and say, you're a person of faith. So sometimes we live by our feelings rather than faith. Another thing is we take matters into our own hands. You ever try that? We feel like God's not acting the way we want him to, or we, we, so we want to speed things up. And when I've done things myself, which I can do that, and I've done that, Usually it never works. You ever had that? It just doesn't work. Wow, well, what's what we're going to do? This really wasn't Jesus's, this wasn't really, wasn't Jesus' mother's problem. And so this, you know, I, I believe this, it wasn't his mother's problem. But see, I want to give you a scripture this morning. I really believe part of my sermon this morning, this is scripture in this verse is here for someone here today. And it may bring life to you today. I believe this verse is going to set some people free. Not only that, but I think it's a verse that God has for you this morning. I don't know who you are, but I just feel it as I've prayed and I've prepared this morning. This verse is for some people here this morning. And it just says this in Isaiah. And Isaiah is very, he's very poetic when he writes. But he says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness. And trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Now, if you want to, horses represent in the Bible is personal strength, your own strength. We'll get on horses. Therefore, we will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift till you are left on a flagstaff on a mountain like a banner on a hill. It's called the lonely place of isolation. How many ever try to do something in your own strength and you end up lonely and isolated? And I'm going to do this myself. I know people that are in church, in different churches and it's up, and they go, I don't need anybody else. I'm going to do this myself. And what you find, eventually you find yourself maybe getting fulfilled by certain things. And after a while, you feel lonely and you feel isolated because you're going to do it yourself. But I love what it says right here. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to who? To you. And he says, he rises to show his compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. See, re repentance changes your direction, okay? Rest, you got to stop. You stop trying to do everything yourself. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He sees our foolish steps. How many of you made foolish steps before? He sees that. He sees our mistakes. I want to encourage you today with hope, with your hopes dashed, maybe you don't have any joy, to come back to God. What do you mean, Pastor? You need a miracle. And the greatest miracle you need this morning is just to come back in a love relationship with Jesus. See, and the third thing is we do many times, we do things on our own. We exchange, we exaggerate, the negative. How many of you ever done that? It's like, 
You see all the stuff, and the negative becomes so much bigger. You see, I believe this, is that there's one or two things that you do in life. You sell. How many of you know that every one of us are selling ourselves every day when we wake up? You wake up, can I tell you what you're selling? You're either selling positive or you're selling negative. You ever have been around people? It's kind of like hee-haw. Remember that? They go, oh, me, oh, my. You know, what is it? Agony, despair, and, you know, all that. Remember all that? And that's just how people are. Hey, how you doing? Oh, God. Well, you know, let me tell you. And you go, oh, please don't tell me. I've heard the story five times. How many are you talking about? Please don't tell me again. See, this is what, you know, we shouldn't spend the majority of our prayer time complaining about our problem. What we should be doing is you need to stop telling God about your problem and start telling your problem about your God. Somebody ought to get excited. Can I just say that again? Stop telling God about your problem and start telling your problem about who your God is. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Even when, you don't, when it doesn't look like everything's working out, what you got to do is you go, you know what? Yeah, it is. I'm believing God is going to work. Sometimes it will look like God's not working at all. But can I tell you something? He is. He's working. Our God is much bigger than us. And that is why it takes faith. Listen to me. That's why it takes faith to serve him. Listen, I've walked in a battle with cancer for two and a half years. I believe I'm healed, okay? How many times? But you know what? God used that circumstance and that situation in my life to give me greater compassion than I've ever had for people in my entire life. Does that make sense? Because even in the midst of that, I mean, you know, can I just be honest with you? I didn't like the idea. I mean, I didn't think it would happen to me. Can I just say that? You know, I wake up from my nap, and my wife has news, and she said they found cancer. I, that's not what I wanted to hear. Going to the doctor again and just get on my knees. The Lord, the battle's yours. I trust you. Our God is much bigger than us. Now, listen to what Isaiah says. God's people pass away. The godly, the godly often die before their time. And no one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil that is to come. I believe, you know, when I get to heaven, sometimes I wonder if there's really going to be music, okay? Because I think when we see why we went through what we went through and what we faced what we faced, I don't think it's the music. I think it's going to be a big aha moment. Then everything gets revealed, and I think in heaven everybody's going to go, aha, that's why. Hello? I didn't see it the way God saw it. How many of you know God doesn't see things the way you see things? Aren't you glad? We don't see it all, but one day we will. So what does it take? Here it is. Look at me. What does it take to get a miracle? Let me just go through couple of things real quick, okay? Are y'all with me? Okay. Here's what it does. Number one, do what Jesus says to do. Nike, that is not, you know, my, Nike says just what? Do it? That's, that's the Bible, man. That's not Nike. It is. Just do it. Do what he says. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Listen, she raised him. She knew that they wouldn't understand everything he would say. So what she said is just do what he says. Just do it. What do you mean by that? Many, you know, Mary prepares them for Jesus' crazy commands. Just do what he says. Don't ask questions. She raised him and she knew him. Why did she have to say it? Say that. I believe this. God is famous for doing things. Listen to me. 
God is famous for doing things that we don't understand and sometimes don't even agree with. Isaiah says, like, this, is, this, this, is, this is what's crazy. Here, here's Isaiah. He says, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. How many of you know that's true sometimes? Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. Aren't you glad? I'm glad. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. He knows more than us. He sees more than us. You believe that? Too many people make decisions from their head to their heart rather than from their heart to their hand. You see, I, I, we, there's, some, there's some people that just analyze everything. How many of you talking about? I'm not one of those analytical kind of people. I'm just simple. If they say that the mule is going to kick you if you walk on the backside, I don't need to figure out what I got to do. I'll trust them. My grandfather had a scar when I was a kid. My papa Melton, he had a scar right here. And every, when he was a kid, like he was five, six years old, he got kicked by a mule, and it crushed part of his skull. And he still had a scar on his forehead. And, for, and he told me, he said, don't ever get behind a horse. And I like, for all my life, I've never, I like, when a horse is coming, I don't get behind him. I saw my grandpa's scar. That's all I needed to see. But some people, why? Well, let's study why horses do what they do. Just don't study it. Just believe them. Too many people make decisions with their head instead of, you know, with their head. Some people say, well, that just doesn't make sense to me. Well, then God can never be bigger than your brain. Ooh, don't start shouting me down now. Y'all talking back now. See, if you think that God has to do things your way and the way you have things, listen to me. This is what will happen. He'll be limited to the size of your brain. And some of you have the brain the size of a peanut in faith. And I'm not going to point fingers. Because I'm pointing right back at me. We have to learn. Say it with me. Say this. Say, trust God. We have to learn to trust God. You know, they had a commercial years ago, and it was a commercial about Michael Jordan, and they were trying to figure out why he was able to do what he did. And they had a Nike commercial, and they said, and it, I think it was Spike Lee. Yeah, it was Spike Lee. And he comes, he comes up to him, and he goes, it's the shoes. It's the shoes. That's why you can play the way you play. It's because of the shoes. And he goes, no, it's not the shoes. Yes, it's the shoes. He goes, no, it's not the shoes. It's the shoes. It's not the shoes. We know there's nothing in the shoes. There's nothing in the shoes and what he could do. We always try to figure out a formula. Are you hearing me? It's kind of like when Jesus healed one guy that he was blind and he laid hands on him. And another guy came back behind him and he said, and he saw a couple chapters later and he goes, hey, hey, Jesus, just lay your hands on my friend. And and, and I know how you do it. Just put your hand on him, and I know you'll be healing. But Jesus does the opposite. He spits on the ground. He makes a mud ball. And you know what he does? He puts the mud in the guy's eyes. The man that brought him must have been freaking out. Come on. Because he had it figured out. Why did he do that? Some people go, Pastor, well, why did he do that? I don't know. I don't have no clue. I don't know why he did it. Because he's not about a formula. How many of you ever heard of the guy, and I'll mention a team I really don't like, but the guy's story is great. How many of you ever heard of the Dallas Cowboys? I hate the Dallas Cowboys. I'll just be honest with you, okay? I hate, if you're a Dallas fan, God bless you. Maybe. But anyway, no. But there's a guy, there's a tight end on there. His name is Jason Witten. And he's about to make, break all these records. He's a tight end. He's an incredible player. He actually comes from Tennessee, graduated from Middle Tennessee. 
And when he was about 10 years old, his mom and dad were fighting. They were in the drugs and got in a lot of trouble and things. He was dropped off on the side of the road with his two brothers. And he's picked up by his grandfather. His name, grandfather was Dave Ryder. And he put a quote on his dresser, and I want to read it to you. He said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moment of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at a time of challenge and controversy. Written by Martin Luther King. And he said, from that day on, my grandfather became my football coach. He became my mentor, my friend. But he said, most of all, he became my example. And he says, and not only that, he's really my dad. Because that's how he looked at it. And see, for many of us, I just believe this. If you have to understand God, you will never receive a miracle. But why did that happen to him? He said, you know, during the time, I didn't know why it was happening to me. I thought that's just the way people were and kids were. But now I look back and I go, God, use that moment in my life to save me. And he brought someone to save me. See, if you always have to understand God, you will never have a right relationship with Jesus anyway. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pastor Bob, that's tough words. It might be. But I'm just letting you know, if you have to understand God completely, you'll never, ever see a miracle. And can I just tell you something? I want you to see a miracle. I believe in miracles. How many believe in a miracle? I asked you at the beginning of the service. How many believe in a miracle? The second thing is focus on what God wants to do in you. We always like to focus on the problem, don't we? Listen, when they use the word cancer, that's a big word. That's like a weight. How many are you talking about? Are they got, is this where you're at? But let me just say this. We always like to focus on what the problem is. If he sees an opportunity to teach us something, God will. Oftentimes, we delay the answer to work because God's really trying to work on us. You see, God's working on our character. Stuff that lasts. And sometimes we go, the question we say, God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what are you trying to show me? You know, I can look back and, and as I was going through the, that journey, and there's things that I see and I do now that are mean more to me than ever when I put my little kids to bed and and it's like my wife was out of town this week, and she went to Oklahoma City with Luke, and and uh, she was so glad to be back in her bed and everything else. And I, you know, during the week, Livy goes, "Dad, can I sleep with you? Mama's gone." I said, "Sure, you can sleep with me." So she slept on Tracy's side, and one night she's talking to Tracy. Goes, "Mom, guess where I am? I'm in your spot." In your bed. You know, I can hear you say, I'm coming back for it, you know. You better. But it's just those moments, those, those things that my son says something or I'm, I'm with them or have opportunity to be with them or things that my wife says or, you know, and, and it's like or things that people say or people that I love. Time becomes so much more precious. You see, the thing I like about that, he knows that all that's going to fade. See, he is more concerned about what he wants to do on the inside of you than the outward stuff that we're worried about sometimes. Are you hearing me? God wants to work on the inside of us. Not just the outward. You see, he knows that that will fade away. But you, will, but you know what he does in you will last. I love what the scripture says. In, in John, going back to the story of the wedding, near, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews 
for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. See, in order to go to church in the Jewish uh, tradition, you would have to come. There's a ceremonial washing to go into the tabernacle. And what they would do is they'd have these jugs filled with water. And what they would do is you would go and you would have to wash your hands a certain way. And when you washed your hands a certain way, and there was someone there sitting as you were washing yourself, and they were watching you to see if you did it right. Tell me a religion does that. And so they're watching them to see if they're doing it right. And what they had to do is they had to wash their hands. And if you washed your hands, the water, couldn't you couldn't let it run down your fingertips. Or you had to start the whole process over. The water had to run down to your elbows. And you would literally walk into church. Come on. But think about this. You wash yourself when you went to church, and you had to do it the right way. If not, you had to do it again. He takes the symbol. Jesus takes the symbol, listen to this, of dead religion, and he puts wine into it. The joy. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? He's getting a twofer. How many know what a twofer is? Anybody know what a twofer is? A twofer is it during the miracle. He's, he's doing a miracle, and he's trying to teach you something. In other words, if you're going through something, you need to ask God, what are you trying to teach me? Because, see, the whole time is the religion and dead religion won't get you anywhere. But if you allow the joy of Jesus, come on. At the beginning of the year, look at me. I gave you a word. The joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. How many of you remember me saying that? Let me just go back. The joy of the Lord is your strength. See, what God's trying to do, he's constantly trying to get dead religion out of us. Hello? He's saying, come on. The Bible says you can't put new wine into old wineskins, least they what? They burst. He's saying this. He's, he's trying to put some Chardonnay in you. He's trying to get the, tick, the Boone's Farm tickle pink out of you. He's trying to put some Ernest Gallo in you. I know my wine. I don't drink it, but I get filled with it. It's called his joy. It's the joy of Jesus. In other words, are y'all with me? I'm not trying to be mystical or, you know, like, use, but, but I'm just telling you. Jesus came not only to fill the wine glasses, but to put joy back into the church, back into our lives. You see, he takes the symbol. If you're going to go through something, you need to ask God, God, what are you trying to teach me? Listen, I remember there was a guy that he, he got on, a, he bought a plane ticket on American Airlines. And he said, hey, man, how's the trip going to be? And he said, well, you know, the trip's going to be okay, but it's going to be a lot of turbulence. But you can, you, you can get there. We're going to get you to your destination, but there's going to be a lot of turbulence on this plane. He said, oh, I'm going to trade my ticket. So he goes back to United Airlines, and he goes, hey, man, how's the flight going to be? He goes, oh, man, the flight's going to be incredible. Smooth, it's silky, you have nothing to worry about. He said, oh, I'm going to buy the ticket. He said, he said, however, we've had some problems with landing gear. Our noses are pretty sturdy on our planes. The flight will be incredible, but the landing, whew, you need to pray real hard. Now, let me ask you, which flight would you take? Turbulence sounds a lot better, doesn't it? But see, that's where a lot of people are. They keep trying to trade something and go, I don't want to go through the turbulence. I don't want to go through the stuff. Come on. But a lot of times, because they don't want to go through the stuff and they don't want God to build character in their life, they end up crash landing in their lives. Thanks for all those amens. Here's 1 Peter, it kind of explains it. I love this, it says, and no one puts this on the refrigerator, I promise you. In this, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. In other words, you're feeling heavy. 
These have come so that your faith of greater work than gold, which perishes even through refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. Your faith is more important than anything else on earth. God wants to take maybe a painful experience and develop something inside of you. You got to set your, your sights on the big picture. So I could go around this room and I've walked with people that have had pain. I've prayed with you when you face pain. I'm going to use some. I remember when Miss, Miss Jean, me and her, went through some of one of her sons, and it was tremendous pain. I remember Sharon and Clayton called me one time, and they'd lost their son, their precious son. Your daddy. I mean, I've had years sometimes of just great pain. How many are talking about? See Myra back there. She's a widow. She lost her husband. Some of you have lost brothers and parents sooner than you wanted to. But you know what? And even you've walked through pain and struggled with some of your children. How many of you I'm talking about on that one? But yet God in the midst of it is always trying to teach us something. Instead of arguing with each other as a married couple, that's where you need to learn to pray and trust and believe. There's times when I've wanted to do, you know, the Bible says the wrath of man never accomplishes the purposes of God. How I many you know what I'm talking about? As a parent, sometimes I've wanted to take my children out. It wouldn't fulfill the purpose of God, but it made me feel a lot better. It's just not. But through that pain, through the suffering, God does something in our hearts and our lives. I can remember laying there at times and just even these last few weeks, I've been thinking about God, you've, you've touched me and, and thinking about different things that people are going through and things that I'm hearing. And I know Jim, your mom, Lorraine, right? Right now she's facing things. We're going to pray for her at the end of the service. She just got diagnosis in her pancreas. And we just need to believe God to work a miracle in her life. You see, I believe this. Are y'all with me? You got to set your sights on the big picture. We're going to have turbulence in this life. Another thing you got to do is you got to believe the unbelievable. Be people who trust God for big things. Trust God for something unbelievable. And then John, it goes, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it came from, though the servants who had, had drawn the water knew. Don't limit God to the size of your brain. God does do things that confound the wise. Believe God can do the impossible. Listen to this. This is what I thought. I win in the end no matter what. God could take me home in a year from now, okay? He could. He could take me home tonight. But if he takes me out, it looks bad, but I still win. If he heals me, I win. But if he takes me home, either way, I win. Do you hear me? Either way, you win. And sometimes, like the scripture says, it's sometimes God does that, and he's trying to protect, us, protect that person from evil down the road. We don't see it. I like what in Mark, it says, Jesus looked at them and said, 
with man, this is impossible. But with God, what does it say? All things. Say it when you say, what's all? I looked up in the Greek and the Hebrew. All means, how many of you know what all means? It means all. Everything. All. But not with God. All things are possible with God. That is a great, can I just say something? That's a great refrigerator verse. No expectation, no visitation. No expectation. If you don't have an expectation for God to do something, you're not going to have a visitation. You know what I've been praying? God, visit us. Visit us. Visit our church. Visit our people. And when you visit, Lord, stay. Stay. Let us enjoy who you are, your presence. I don't want to conjure something up that's man-made. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or we come see this latest trick he does this week. Well, let me tell you something. I don't need a trick stick like Moses. I just need to have faith like Moses did when they had to go up to that Red Sea moment. And he goes, God, I <laughs> just do what he says. He didn't have a choice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> trick stick. You know, <laughs> Cuts the water. If you're looking for a formula, you'll never find it. But see, two things I want to pray for this morning. I want to pray this. First of all, there's some of you here this morning, you have no joy. I want to pray, God, restore your joy. How many are talking about? He said, Pastor Bubba, that's me. I need fresh joy from Jesus this morning in my life. That's you. Just raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. I need fresh joy. Keep it up. I want people to see. You're not the only one. The devil, oh, you're the only one. You're the only one. Look at you. You're not the only one. Okay, put your hand down. I want to pray, God, bring me fresh joy. And the second thing is that you put your faith in God no matter where you're at. Can I just tell you something? It wouldn't be faith if it made a lot of sense anyway. Does that make sense? It wouldn't be faith if it made sense. There are things that in our lives that come our way, it just does not make sense. Why? How come? Why me? You ever think, come on. See, it's not intellectual Christianity. You have to trust. Don't delay. Don't delay for a moment. Just trust God. Without faith, you can't please him. That's what the Bible says. How many of you will please God? Two people. How many of you will please God? Let me give you again. He's watching. <laughs> the Bible says he rewards those that diligently seek him. Rewards them. You know what the great reward is? His presence, his joy, his grace, his power. Helping us to get to the other side of the storm. Amen. I've heard it said, you've heard it said, maybe. You either you're one or two things. You're either going into a storm or you're in a storm or you're coming out of a storm. Then when you're coming out, there's another one waiting for you. Can we pray this morning? I want to take it a step further. If you just need a miracle in your life, I'm just going to ask you to get out of your chair and just come up here this morning. We're just going to pray, God, touch you this morning. And God does a miracle in your life. If you need a miracle, I want you to come right here. And there'll be people that are going to get around you and pray. Just need a miracle. Need a miracle. You need a miracle. This is your moment. 
Don't try to understand it. You just need it. person of faith and you believe in the power of God come stand behind some of these people we just want to pray with them to believe God with them for God to do a great miracle in their circumstances please come get behind them men with men women with women if we could do that that'd be great So we're going to believe God for a miracle. We're going to believe God in faith. But also if you've lost your joy. That's why I just don't have any joy. Jesus is here. Just like in those, in those, those, those jars that held water. And he said, man, you've walked in dryness. You've walked in unfulfillment. You've walked in, in discouragement. And God's saying this morning, I want to offer you the joy of new wine, that new life, that precious life that God has for you this morning. If that's you, just get out of your seat and just come. Just get behind these. We're going to pray. Come on. Come on. Just come. I need joy. I need joy. I need joy. I need joy. Look, if you saw joy down the road and God says, run to it, I promise you, you'd be running. I'd be pulling hamstrings or whatever I got to do to get there, wherever God wants me to get. If you need joy, Hey, it's symbolic. It's raining on us. That's the natural. God wants to do, many times God shows up in the natural to do something in the supernatural. You believe that? God wants to rain on you this morning. God wants to touch you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to set you free. God wants to give you new joy. God wants to bring a miracle in your life. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we just coming this morning, we're believing for the unexplainable to obtain the unforgettable. Lord, there are people here this morning that need a miracle. They need a miracle. And Lord, we know more than anything, we just need you. You're the miracle worker. And I pray this morning, God, that you would come and that you would touch people's lives. You would just move and minister and work a miracle. Bring joy. Miracle, miracle, miracle. Right now, a miracle right now in her body, Father. A miracle, a miracle, a miracle. Lord, we just I just pray, Father, I just believe a visitation, God. A visitation, a miracle, a miracle, a miracle, a miracle. Joy, a miracle, a miracle, God. A miracle in her circumstance. A miracle, God. God, what she can't see with her eyes, I thank you you're able to do far beyond what she sees. You're able to work a miracle. Joy, God. Joy, miracle. Miracle, God, for what she's believing. A miracle, God. Miracle, 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 God. Miracle, miracle, miracle. Joy, 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 joy. Father, we thank you that nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing that we face justifies discouragement and despair. And nothing is impossible with you. Lord, we trust you for miracles. The Bible says you are fully able to do. You're fully able. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would expand to believe you, to trust you for greater things we've ever seen with our eyes that we've ever experienced in our own lives. And we just pray, God, that you would work a miracle and you would bring joy. I, Father, I thank you that, that, Lord, this morning, it doesn't have to, we don't have to understand it. We just know that we understand that you do, you do things that we will never understand. You do things that we can never explain. You do things that, God, that we can never obtain, but with through you and through faith. 
And so, God, we come this morning not looking what, we, what we're facing or where we've been. We look forward to seeing where you want to take us and what you want to do. God, you're building character in people's lives. God, you're doing something eternal in people's minds and their hearts. And, Father, I pray for freedom in this house. I pray for, God, miracles, miracles of freedom, people being set free. God, people coming to that point where they just say, God, the greatest miracle I could have is just trusting you with my whole life. Trusting you. Father, I pray that for individuals here this morning. I pray. I pray that scripture in Isaiah, in repentance and rest, we find our salvation. In quietness and trust, we find our strength. And Lord, I thank you that that you long to be gracious to us. You're just. And the Bible says, Lord, like you said, Blessed are those that wait on the Lord. And Father, we come and we just wait upon you that you would do the impossible, the unattainable. We just pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Look at me this morning. say this. A couple things I want you to know. Is anything too difficult anything too difficult for God? Is there? Is there anything that should cause depression and despair that we can justify that keeps God from doing anything? Is anything impossible for God? It's not. That's where we have to stand. I like what the Bible says, you know, stand therefore and know that he is God. In other words, we go, you got to stand there until you find out what you're standing there for. You understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes we, we, we stand and we don't even know why. Why do I? God is doing something. And can I, I just say this? I don't believe, I don't believe God makes mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. He makes places where we can look at ground and go, I remember the moment. I remember the day. You know, there are places in, in people's Bibles, in my Bible. I remember when God spoke to me on a day and I wrote it down. You ever know what I'm talking about? I remember my mama, she wrote a scripture for me and my brother. and She still has it in her Bible. It was written in like 1978 before I became a Christian for me and my brothers. And God gave her a promise that we would serve God. She, every day. You understand? On that day, God gave her a word. Listen to me. On this day, God, listen to me. God is able to do the impossible. On this day, when you get back to your seat, before you leave, write the date today. This is the day God began to give me new joy. This is the day God began my miracle process. This is the day God, listen, some of you, it may be instantaneous. Instantly. And for some of us, it's a process. Are you, are you hearing me? Because the Bible says the battle is the Lord's. So if it's his battle, get off your hearts of independence. Are you hearing me? And some of you might not be a horse. Maybe, I mean, just don't be that. You know what? Just run to the Lord. Amen. Every time somebody tries to remind you of everything that can't be done, run to God. Go, God, this, you're different. You're different than what they say. You're greater than what people believe. That God, you're the God that works impossible. There's nothing that, that, that justifies despair. There's nothing that's impossible for you. God, I'm just believing you. Not, I'm believing that, listen, I'm believing the unexpected to obtain the unforgettable. Amen. I want this to be a day that you don't forget. God wants this to be a day you don't forget. Amen? You know what the biggest problem most of us have as Christians? Look at me. Christian amnesia. We forget that God did something a couple weeks ago, a month ago, but let the latest and the greatest trial come. We forget everything God did in the past. And sometimes we got to 
open up the book and go, all right, wait, yeah, you, God, you, yeah, God. You know what gives me faith for today? If my grandmother had enough faith to kick a refrigerator in the name of Jesus that my grandfather said that was broken, he's going to get a new one, and she prayed on it, and it ran for three more years, God can kickstart my life. God can work a miracle. Amen?